0: Welcome to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. Covering topics suggested by you, the listener, we dive into what's important, getting you what you need to succeed. Here's what's coming up.
1: When I first came in and where I learned, it was pretty much, okay, here's the pay plan that fits every shop, and there's no such thing anymore. You really have to figure out, the owner has to have a read on his employees. Is this person motivated by time off? Is this person motivated by money? What's the best situation for this person to work?
2: Just work the steps, work the system, and the money will come. The thing is, I find, is like when you're first initiating that, a lot of pushback because they don't know that yet. They haven't, they haven't experienced that yet. So it's a bit of a sales pitch to get it going.
3: The idea right. is we have a base pay for our people so they feel comfortable. That should take care of their basic needs. And then we have a bonus structure so that as the business wins, they win. They get more if the business gets more.
0: We need your help. By submitting questions or topics to institute at we can continue to cover things that are relevant to you. But for now, we've collected a panel of experts to get you serious results. So what are we waiting for? Let's get into it.
3: All right, welcome to Leading Edge number uh, 42 and uh, we are gonna talk about pay systems. Uh, flat rate versus um, hourly versus performance enhanced is what I call it. Um, So, uh, and today we have with us uh, Chris Cotton. Chris, um, name of your business is? It's Autofix SOS. Okay. And uh, Chris is a coach and a consultant in the industry. How long have you been doing that, Chris?
1: Um, I've been in the industry for 27 plus years, and I've been coaching for about seven years plus.
3: Okay, good. And uh, we have Alan Sims. Alan has Revolution
2: Automotive Services. Yes, uh, Alan Sims. And uh, yeah, I'll we're in... <laughs> we're in Nawood, Massachusetts.
3: Nawood. I like Na-wood. it. <laughs> Nawood.
2: Um,
3: <laughs> the rest of us in the country would say Norwood, but uh, we'd be wrong, right? That's just like I always mispronounce your last name.
2: You, you might be able to get a Nawood.
3: A Nawood out of it. Na-wood. <laughs> <laughs> um All right, so... Um, uh, man, I'm very opinionated when it comes to pay systems and how to pay people. Um, so let's let's talk about pay systems. Let's talk about why one pay system over another. What what are the what are the pluses uh, and minuses of uh, an hourly rate uh, for employees? Uh, let's start with uh, with you, Chris. What what's the plus or the minus of hourly?
1: Well the the plus of hourly right is, is if you have guys that hustle and the shop's full then your your labor margin's always high right so you're so you're ahead of the curve but if for some reason you can't get vehicles in can't get cars in or the guys are slow then the, the shop is burdened so in in good times it's good and in bad times it's bad
3: well, I think I think we we should also probably look at it from the employee's perspective right um I know that in my dealings with shops and employees that we've been in lots of places where the 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 employee f- would rather have an hourly rate uh, than anything else um, because they're sure of exactly what their paycheck's going to be right so I think when you're talking about you know um, an employee um, that that from the employee perspective, it's, I feel better because I know what my paycheck is going to be. Right. Right. And uh, my problem, uh, well, first, Alan, let's go to you. What, wh- tell me about what you think about hourly. Uh, what do you think is the plus and minus? Is there so, more?
2: So, I mean, I personally prefer a performance-based pay plan. Even if it were flat rate, when I was a technician, I would have preferred that opposed to being paid hourly or um, salary. And I, I, I agree with what you're saying. It, it, you know, it motivates people. You just feel motivated. Um, from a business owner's perspective, it's motivating people to do well and to produce since that's one of the commodities we sell is labor. Um, and if we can entice our guys to be more productive, then we're all going to make more money and be more efficient and for, the, for the client.
3: I was a I was a flat rate tech when I was a tech and and I'd like to think that it's different now than it was. I, I guess as a business owner, I'm a flat rate guy because if the business succeeds, I get paid, and if it doesn't, I don't get paid. That's right. Um, so being a business owner, we're kind of pure flat rate. Um, I think I think for me hourly, it's very problematic um, because. <laughs> not because of the inconsistencies in the business. I have a belief that the the owner of the business is supposed to take the risk and that the employee shouldn't take the risk. And and so um, for me, the the hourly rate is a good thing in the sense that the employee knows exactly what they're gonna get paid, Uh, it can be fair. In my opinion, if there isn't something motivational in play, that employees don't work harder necessarily. Um, Chris, do you, do you believe that, that there are people or uh, what percentage of the people are willing to work harder for an hourly rate than they would if there was some um, bonuses and structure that would create more money for them?
1: I'd say maybe you have like twenty percent of the people maybe that would that would work in an hourly system and just hustle all day long. Uh, I don't know what the what the exact number is. You may know better than I do, but that's kind of my feeling from the people that I talk to and talking about their technicians. Uh, one one thing I want to say is I think it's interesting that both of you are former flat rate technicians and both of you have successful businesses and probably did really really well on the flat rate system. Uh, that's one of the things that I see is that shop owners think everybody should do really well on flat rate because they did and they have the hustle and the people that, you know, your technicians that don't, I guess if they hustled, they'd probably be shop owners. Um, that I aren't think successful. That's, I think that's really the,
3: the, the, unfortunately most of us think that everybody should be like us and, right. unfortunately, and unfortunately, or fortunately, if everybody was like us, they'd all be shop owners, right? right. They'd all be business owners. Mm-hmm. Um, so employees are employees for a reason, uh, often um, because they're not ready to or able to either mentally or, or however, um, take that kind of that leap off the deep end and, and know that, you know, I mean, for me and Alan, I know Alan really well. Um, we've worked together for a long time for me and Alan. It's like if I couldn't leap off the deep end, I'd feel bad. I mean, I like leaping off the deep end and 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 taking the risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, hourly doesn't work. It never did work, and I don't think it would work. And unfortunately, I've never, well, fortunately, I've never been in an hourly rate job since I was a kid. You know, my first job, you know, was uh, at a Shakey's Pizza Parlor, and that certainly was hourly. And I don't want to tell you what the rate was because that'll date me. Um, but and then I worked at a hardware store. Uh, when I was in high school and that was hourly, but other than those two hourly jobs, I, I haven't had any hourly jobs. I've always been kind of a, you know, you get paid for what you do kind of guy, even in managing other people's shops. I I had a had a salary, but I had a huge bonus structure uh, built around that. And, um, so for me, hourly has, um, is problematic, I think, um, and then uh, what about flat rate? Why is, why is flat rate, there's so much con, uh, conversation right now about flat rate. And, and I think there's a lot of anger coming from the employee side about flat rate. Uh, at least that's what I see and hear kind of on the internet. Um, why do you think, Alan, why do you think flat rate is, a, is a, so problematic right now?
2: Well, can I ask you a quick clarifying question there? Do you hear negative feedback from technicians on the internet they don't want to go to flat rate or they don't want to come off of it
3: i think there's a bunch of them that uh, see flat rate as an evil thing that's what yeah. i hear and see um because they're yeah. gonna have to work for their money now well and i'm not sure that it's uh, again that's that's a that's a jaded com that's a jaded comment
2: yeah um,
3: yeah I, you know when i never worked for a dealer other than running a service department. So I ran the service department and that was a different gig. That wasn't as a technician. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the dealership where I ran the service department, my technicians were paid. I don't even can't remember how they were paid. I'm pretty sure it was flat rate. Yeah. But the system in play at the time was a good system. They could work, they could work hard. We had lots of cars lined up. Uh, they were doing the same jobs kind of over and over so they could become very efficient with those jobs. So they could earn more money in the dealership, knowing that, I mean, I had a guy doing Toyota, um, you know, Toyota trucks had a problem with upper control arm bushings. I had a guy that could rebuild the whole front end on a Toyota 11 hour job in an hour and a half, you know? And so if we kept feeding him those jobs, he was very productive. He made lots of money. The, The shop made lots of money, but I think that that's changed in the last probably 10 years as the dealerships have tried to become more competitive with the aftermarket and with the way that, um, you know, you used to make money in a dealership selling cars. You don't do that anymore. Now the service department has to be profitable. That's where a lot of your money comes from. And I think that the dealerships have, have created a a system in flat rate where unless you're the pet technician, you're going to get screwed. And I think that's how people feel out there. At least that's my take. Chris, do you have a, do you have a read
1: on that? The The other thing I think is, is you get some shop owners that don't share any of the numbers with their, with any of their people. And one, you know, the, one of the big misconceptions is, is everybody thinks the shop owner's a millionaire and they're just sitting on this big, <laughs> fat pile of cash and, and they almost take it as a screw you or an F you. Um, the technician does because they think their owner's a millionaire and they're not sharing any of that with them.
2: Right. I agree, hundred percent.
3: And and then the other thing too, if you're a shop who's having a problem with consistency of work, and you have people on flat rate, right. then you got an issue because you know you have guys that work really hard in the afternoon, maybe, but they don't do anything in the morning because of those systems or processes you have, the way that you're processing vehicles and estimates and sales, or you may not just have the car count. And I think it, I think a flat rate system puts the risk, takes the risk off of the owner's shoulder and puts it on the technician. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right. Therefore, I, I disagree with the flat rate system. So I don't like, I don't like flat rate and I don't like um, hourly, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of what's left.
2: So I, go ahead. I was uh, say, I just no. saying, go ahead, Chris, go ahead, Chris. No, 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 go <laughs> okay. ahead, Chris.
1: Uh, I I see myself building a lot of hybrid pay plans now. Um, And, and, you know, it's not when I first came in and where I learned it was pretty much, okay, here's the pay plan that fits every shop. And there's no such thing anymore. Um, You really have to figure out the owner has to have a read on his employees. Is this person um, motivated by time off? Is this person motivated by money? Uh, You know, how does the, what's the best situation for this person to work? And, Uh, The other thing is you have some states around there that are just like, okay, flat flat rates illegal. So you have to have like a minimum hourly rate for your guys. And then plus the performance and and incentives on that. Um, A couple of the interesting things I've been doing here lately is I've had some people that have come to me and they're like, hey, we have a great shop culture and um, we want to all get paid the same. And we want to share in the gross profit. So I've got a shop in Colorado that we built a pay plan where everybody makes minimum wage and then every piece of the gross profit. Uh, it, it's just, it's amazing now what you can do with pay plans. That's interesting. Cause I w- I would wonder
3: um, about legality in, uh, in some States uh, California becomes very problematic um, around any kind of pay system. It uh, doesn't matter whether I pay flat rate hourly or, or uh, some kind of an hourly plus flat rate, it's still very problematic. We yeah. lost you there for a yeah, second. That's, but you're back.
1: Yeah, that's why I back. Like to. that's why I like to run it by like uh, somebody, an HR person in the state or that has interest in the state to make sure that it's legal. But uh, so far, I haven't had any issues with that as long as we cover the minimum wage. Uh, issue side of it. And when I say everybody, that's the shop owner, service riders, everybody there makes, I think Colorado's minimum wage is 11, 10 an hour. So everybody in that shop makes 11, 10 an hour. And then they split up the gross profit um, at the end of the week for their bonus.
3: Well, that's interesting. I never thought about that. I mean, I built some pretty interesting pay plans, but I've never done that one. Um, I don't well, know and the, the owner, it, I don't know how I'd feel about all that myself. So
1: Well, you know, and then two, you're not splitting all the gross profit. You still have have the other part of it and whatever. Um, The other thing is, one thing that I find out is if the wife of the employee doesn't know how their husband gets paid, it just creates problems. So the easier it is for her to understand, the better off you are.
0: What if we told you that you could get quality training and education conveniently and without emptying your pockets? Our GEAR platform presents great education and resources for automotive shops, courses led by experts inside and outside our industry, a community of like-minded people to engage with, and a resource library at your fingertips. With a monthly membership, you can gain access to every course we have in the library as well as the multiple courses we add each and every month. With the ability to watch wherever and whenever you'd like, GEAR provides the training you've been looking for at only $129 a month. for help with improving your business, head to ifrave.com and click on the courses we teach to sign up for a better business and a better life today.
3: In our, um, in our hiring process, uh, we want to meet with the family or the husband and wife or the, the significant other, whoever else is involved, and we want to go through their pay and how they get paid right from the beginning so that everyone understands, including the wife or the the, you know, the, the lover, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, whatever that is, we, we want them to know how that person is going to get paid and where the motivation is. Right. I mean, I think that's the, the problem I have with, um, with hourly is there's no motivation. The problem I have with flat rate is it puts all the risk on the employee's shoulders. Alan, you had a comment. You want to speak up there?
2: Yeah, I don't recall exactly what it was, but, um, I, I agree with you, Cecil, in, in, in a lot of ways here. I think that you need to have a base pay for people um, just to have them there so that they can at least have some sort of guaranteed pay. They know if they're here 40 hours a week, they're going to have X amount of dollars to go home with. Um, because in the event that you are slow, you know you need these people to be doing things around the shop at shop maintenance. Or if they're waiting for something, I need them to do something else in the shop to keep the place in and, and top performing in um, oper- Condition, um, whether that's maintaining the, the the equipment or if it's um, <clears throat> just keeping get keeping something cleaned up, but a flat rate technician, you're not paying him to do that. You can't ask him to do that. I would never yeah. ask someone to do something that I'm not getting paid for. Well, I
3: think I, I think if you're working and the culture is right in the business, then even if the employee's flat rate, they understand I need to keep my bay clean and and I, I you know I need to help out you know, if there's nothing to do, I don't mind mopping floors mm. um, if that's what I need to do. And, and, and I think when you have a business with employees, uh, when you, where you hear these words, I always, it always makes me nervous or, or even upset when I hear somebody say, that's not my job, or I don't get paid to do that. That, that bothers me. No. Um, I currently have a shop in the, in, in the Phoenix area where the, the guys are all flat rate. Um, even the, even the uh, manager of the facility is flat rate and uh, um, paid based on what only what the facility does. So it's a percentage of sales. Um, and and the manager doesn't want to do certain things because he's not getting paid for it. That's the mentality. And I think that's a that's a terrible mentality. Certainly something you never want to have in your business. That's um, culture. I had a shop in Southern California where um, the guys were, uh, hourly, but they also got kind of looked at, uh, based on what they produced and what they didn't produce. So when they came in in the morning, if they had to move cars, they didn't want to move cars, uh, because you're also looking at my productivity, even though I'm getting paid hourly, you're looking at my productivity and saying you're either productive or you're not productive. Um, I think if you're going to measure something and hold it over their head, that they have to have some control over it and that there has to be some reward or or uh, consequence if it's not done correctly, my, my two or three cents. Um, why, so my take is that right now flat rate is really being beat to death by technicians online. Every time I go anywhere where there's a tech forum, they're just killing flat rate. They hate it, um, it's not fair, uh, it's not legal. You know, et cetera, et cetera, and, and 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 so, why do we think that's true? You know, why would why would why is that happening out there? Because flat rate used to be great. I used to have no problem with it.
2: I think it's because, one, they it if you don't have this if you're not in the service advisor's back pocket or favored, you know, they're not going to give you the good jobs. Um, that was something that I battled when I worked in a dealership twenty years ago. Um, you know, there was these couple of techs that got all the gravy. And then there was me and a few other guys that got all the junk, you know, and the stuff that didn't pay well or the customers they knew weren't going to pay. But if there was something that they could really feed that mouth they wanted to keep fed, always went there. Now, I understand that that person's been doing that heater core way many way more times than I have and they could turn it out faster this time. But give me a shot. Give me a couple of chances to do this and I'll crush it, you know. And, and and that's kind of what's happened, I think. And I've noticed that in my own shop a couple of times, job sitting outside, tech's waiting, but they want to hold it to give it to the next guy. No, 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 no.
3: Yeah, I think to me, it's a team sport. Um, exactly. it uh, service and repair is a team sport. And basically we need whoever's available and can do the job to do that job, whether they're the pet or the or not the pet. Yeah. Um, but I think there is a, a personality issue where if the service advisor really likes you in many shops, you're going to get the better jobs and where if they don't like you, you're going to get the crap. I've, I've done it myself as a service advisor. If you piss me off for the next couple of days, you're probably going to feel it. Um, mm. I don't know whether that's right or wrong. Frankly, I'd probably do it again if I was in service today <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, because I, you know, what else, what other controls do you have? So let's, let's go back to pay system. So, Years ago, um, I was writing a class on pay systems, and I, I wrote some rules. So, um, uh, one of my rules is that I want the employee to get about sixty percent of their pay based on showing up, and about forty percent based on some kind of a performance plan. And it should be specific to whatever I want from that position. So, if I if I have a, I don't know forty dollars to pay a technician they're probably going to get somewhere around 28 uh, uh, per hour on the clock as a as an hourly rate. And then we're going to build a, a performance plan with another 14. Now, 14 is more than 12. It goes over the 40. But because it has performance in it, if the employee goes over 40 hours, the shop benefits greatly. So back to Chris's uh, kind of early comment where he said, You know, if you're an hourly rate shop and your guys are very productive, then you win all the time, right? I mean, I win. Um, When I'm winning, I want the employee to share in that. So while I've never built a pay plan where everyone was on flat rate and then we paid them, you know, a part of the performance uh, of the shop or the gross profit, I have built pay plans where when the employee is more than 100% productive, they have a, a substantial piece of the pie that comes their way uh, in the pay systems. Um, what, so illegal, I know in California, there's been some court cases and in my opinion, and again, I'll just say opinion, cause I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it where I could read it and say, yeah, this is a, in my opinion, a flat rate in California is not legal anymore. Correct. Uh, it's too, pro- it's too problematic. Um, so uh, it's, it's, it's a discussion that I don't, I don't necessarily want to have a I want to go into a class right here and just start teaching. Cause that's, <laughs> you know, that's what I do. Um, Mendelssohn says, I think it's Mendelsohn, um, that employees cannot think about, people cannot think about higher function things until their base needs are met. So if I, have a, if I have an employee who is a flat rate guy and it's slow out, what's he going to be thinking about, right? His bills, right. his overhead. Yeah. I mean, how am I going to make my rent this week? And, 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 and I don't want that as an employer. That's not in my best interest to have that going on. Um, Mendelssohn also says, the converse is true, that when the, when the person has their base needs met, then they're able to think of higher what they, what he calls higher function things. Higher function things being God and science and um, how to be more productive. Uh, frankly, uh, uh, how to do the job in a better way, and and that's what I want out of out of an employee. I also have some other rules around pay plans. Um, one of my one of my rules is uh, if it's a bonus program where there's there is a bonus, it can't be an urban legend, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's demotivating. Um, I also say that if you're going to pay bonus structure, it has to be enough to change behavior. So an, a dollar an hour, or maybe even $2 an hour will not change behavior. Uh, $10 an hour will change behavior, right? Uh, in your, Chris, in your, in your shop that you, you did this uh, unique pay plan for, what's the productivity in that shop?
1: Uh, the productivity is really high. I mean, the the cooperation productivity is high. They have, um, I want to say four. We kind of count four and a half techs, uh, but they're over hundred percent productive pretty much all the time. One of the few shops that I coach, it's actually at like 105 percent productivity.
3: Okay, and uh, my shop ran at one hundred twenty uh, when I had my shop, and and so we were flat rate, but we also had a flat rate with a bonus program structure. Um, so no matter what I would do, I would, I would put a bonus structure in play, uh, right. because, because when the staff goes over a hundred percent, I don't have any more fixed expenses to pay and I get to keep more of the money. So I want to spread that around. Um, mm-hmm. I think that I'm not sure shop owners understand that uh, Alan from, did I build your pay plans or, or did,
2: yeah, we did that together.
3: Okay. Yep. So, um, is there more um, productivity out of the staff, more motivation to staff to do what you want based on that pay system than there was prior to that pay system?
2: Yeah, there is. Um, it, I mean, there's a there's a part. There is. They like that they get a bit of money uh, guaranteed and that they have control over what the bonus will be. You know, if they, they know that if they work the tail off and hit 100% productivity, they're going to get a higher rate. If they hit 120, they get an exponentially higher rate. Um, if they build, if they work, you know, if they work 45 hours, which is what our guys are scheduled and they build 52, they're really crushing it. And, um, and they hit that top tier. And then once they hit 52, they're like, well, now I'm in the top tier. I need to build 62. You know what I mean? And so they get hungry. And if these guys are working 45, 45 to 46 hours a week and building, building 60 hours a week, man, all I got to do is just keep cars coming in the door because they'll do, do you, it. The-
3: So I know, I don't know all your staff, but I I certainly know some of your staff. John was in our service advisor program and I Mm -hmm. love John. I think he's fantastic. Um, Yeah, thank you. uh, You know, John, I think would work on his own no matter what.
2: Yeah, if John didn't have an incentive, he would totally still do it. He's just, uh, that's the culture we have here right now. I don't think, we have a really, really solid team here right now and a great culture. These guys could be hourly and two of them are because one's on one's new and the other one's like a GS and they're all um, hourly, but they all still work really hard. It's still a team effort to make sure everything's done because that's just the culture we've built. Um, What I've preached to people is that if you just, if you, if you take care of people and work the system and do what we're asking of you um, money will follow the money is a byproduct of the, of the, of the, care you give to the car to the customer and to the task at hand. Um just just work the steps, work the system and the money will come. The thing is I find is like when you're first initiating that, a lot of pushback because they don't know that yet. They haven't they haven't experienced that yet. So it's a bit of a sales pitch to get it going um if you're not there.
3: I think it's really interesting um, in the shop that I'm working on we've done the one that has um, Uh, Hourly, or excuse me, not hourly. They have um, flat rate. See, this is what happens when your hair turns white. (laughs) Just fly out of your head. Um, They have they have a flat rate system. We have built a new pay system that will pay them the same if they do the same that they're currently doing now, and it will pay them more if they do more. And the kickback I'm, I'm getting is not from the technicians. I'm getting it from the owners of the company um which which makes you a little bit nervous because when they do more the the shop actually makes more money right and i don't I don't know that they've figured that out um, so, yeah I
2: mean, that's exactly what I did when we built the pay plan it would, and that's what I would advise anyone to do is reverse engineer it, know what your cost per hour is that you're bill your cost of per build hour, and I would do that over the course of a year, and then reverse engineer it, you know, with whatever your budget is for labor. You know. Well, what we've done,
3: what I try to do when I'm building pay plans and Chris, I'll, 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 ask you and give you some time to, to talk about this yourself. But what I, what I try to do is I never, I never, one of my rules is never take money away from an employee. So mm-hmm. it, even if we shift from say a flat rate to a hourly with a bonus structure, or we go from hourly to a, um, you know, a uh, a lower hourly rate with a bonus structure. We we keep the employee. Actually, we try to give them a little bit of a bump, uh, a buck an hour, a dollar and fifty, two dollars an hour. When we make the change, we try to bump them up, and then we we build in four or five levels that they can see as sales goes up, as productivity goes up. That here's how they're going to get paid. Mm-hmm. So um, we want we want the employee to be very comfortable with the new pay system. Uh, and we actually grandfather people into some of our bonus structure levels. So I believe in, in education, I believe in certification. Um, and so those are things that we bonus for in most of my uh, pay plans. Um, and, and we often, if the person isn't, isn't to the level we want them to be, we might grandfather them in so we can hold their rate at or just above where they are. Yeah, um, and that's what we're we're trying to do. Oh man, we lost Chris again. Just when I was going to go to him and go, okay, no, you're, it's your turn. I'm, all yeah, right, I'm good I, now. All right, it's it's your turn, Chris. Now, um, uh, uh, so what? How how do you think when you're building a pay plan? Do you have rules around that?
1: Well, the the big rule I have is I I want a win win for everybody, and I don't ever want to leave. I don't want to do a new pay pay plan and leave somebody worse off than they were previously. So, so I want them to have the incentive. I want them to have the buy-in. And one of the things I like to do is run, run their old pay plan and their new pay plan side by side and be like, okay, whichever one you make more money on, that's the one we're going to pay you. And hopefully if I've designed the pay plan correctly and we fix some of the other issues with the shop, the new pay plan, they'll be paid more on and they're like, Oh, Oh heck. Yeah. I want to go on that. Let's just go ahead and switch right now. Um, I think that's the key to it.
2: I I I would agree with you. Can I add to that? Because I do that same thing, but before you go bring it to the, to the employee and show them what it could be, do that yourself for a few weeks. I always run the pay pan based on the previous numbers then pitch it to the employee to make sure it's going to work and then pitch it to the employee and then watch them go, Oh, that works. And then they go and work harder. And now they see how it really works and it just gets exponential for everybody. Another one of my
3: rules is I think um, when you build a bonus structure that you need to build a bonus structure in at a low level so that, so that when they're hitting, you know, maybe the first tier is a very small tier, but they get a small bonus so they can get the feel for it right um so we we start uh, i usually start our bonuses unless the owner and i have other conversation at about 35 hours for a technician when a technician does 35 hours then then they get a small bonus and when they do 40 they get a bigger bonus and they do 45 they get a bigger bonus um and and we tier it or structure it that way um so we're, we're kind of at the halfway point. I need to stop and do a short commercial for the Institute here. Uh, we have a uh, service advisor mastery program uh, coming up starting in May. You can find it online at uh under the service mastery tab. Uh, uh, Alan, your guy went through our service mastery
2: program, uh, or he's going through. Yeah. How, 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 has that helped him? Totally, yeah. He's he loves it. It's totally helped him. It's been amazing. And we took someone from outside of the industry, brought them into the industry, got them right into your class. And um, I mean, we maintained an eleven hundred dollar ARO. Okay, and 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 your margins are also great. Oh, they're better with him now because (laughs) he doesn't know any different. And I mean, we're holding a we're holding a fifty six percent GP on parts consistently. Cool. Good. So
3: and then we also have our Mars events, which is um, our next Mars event. Uh, Come to Mars is uh, management uh, for auto repair shops. We have management leadership conference uh, two days on the weekend. Um, I can tell you that our marketing conference was out of the park. We got such great, um, great reviews on that. Um, and uh, if you're interested in that, you can also find that at iFrame.com. Now. Um, okay. That's enough commercial um let's go back to the uh the task at hand uh chris do you have any rules around uh, writing pay plans other than everybody has to win
1: um i look you know i'm a big numbers guy i'm unlike you guys i don't come from a technical background it's all customer service and shop owner so i really like to dive into the numbers and see where they're at where they're going um when I had my shop, one of the things that I was shocked and didn't know until somebody taught me is my gross profit was 23% when I started Mm -hmm. and actually went out and got a coaching company. And, uh, you know, I bought a business that was doing a million plus a year. And I thought I was going to sell my way out of it. And I'm like, okay, I went from a million, three to $2 million and I still don't have any money, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm a numbers guy. I like to look at the numbers and see, and then, you know, gross profit.
0: There's a ton of different advisor training options in the industry, making the choice that much harder to make. Some shove too much into too little of a time frame, they can be inconvenient and costly, or they're just filled with unhelpful, non-applicable information. So how are you supposed to create confident and capable service advisors? The Advisor Mastery program from the Institute is the industry's leading service advisor training, now almost entirely online. With one-on-one coaching, KPI tracking, live community trainings, a resource library, and more, there's no wonder why advisors who Finish the program, have seen their efforts rewarded with more confidence, higher AROs, and better sales. If you're ready to stop settling for mediocre and start ruling the counter, join the Advisor Mastery Program today. Head to ifrave.com and register now. We'll see you in class.
3: Okay. I'm a numbers guy too. Uh, frankly, I was a tech for a long time, but I think I gave that up 25 years ago, and I've never looked back. Um, yeah. I'm more. I come from a more from a service advisor, sales, and owner perspective, having owned shops. And uh, at one point I had three and, and then also from having managed some pretty good uh, shops. And it's funny to me. um, I think, I think we need to make a comment for those people that are going to listen to this, be very, very careful about changing pay plans and pay systems and do it at the right time in the right place. I have a, if I put a carrot in front of the employee and the employee cannot reach that carrot because our systems, our processes don't allow for that. Right. And then, then it's going to, I call it demotivation. Now, um, if you type that into your word document, it's going to come up as a misspelling, but it's a word that I've coined that says, if, um, if I do something that's going to hurt the employee or that they cannot earn their reward, it's going to upset them. And I don't want upset people. I only want to, Um, I want, I want people that trust us. I want people that are going to benefit from our success. Their success is our success and our success is their success. Um, so be, be very careful when we start working with new companies, it's, it's almost unheard of for me to put a pay plan in place in the first six months. Uh, absolutely. Yeah,
1: that's probably correct. Yeah.
3: I think I think in your case, if you had a business where the margin was so low, I'm sure that you you might have been very productive, but you weren't charging right. You had some other issues. Until you fix some of those issues, where the employee can then you know be productive, um, this is this is not going. Um, it's not going the pay plan route the way that maybe it was originally intended to. When when you um, when you build uh, the right plan and you make it so that your employees can be successful and you put it in front of them and then they're able to achieve that, it's, it's a game changer for the business. Um, so you don't put pay plans in, in place right away. I don't put pay plans in, in place right away. What are you looking for before you say, let's change a pay system in a company?
2: Okay. I think that you, you need to have a, a platform for success in place before you can give people a pay plan, you know, how you you need to, you got, they have to have something to execute to be able to get that carrot. I agree. Now you could put a pay plan in place, but if you have broken processes and undercharging service advisors and uh, you know, build hours flying out the door unpaid for, then you can't, you can't hold someone accountable for it. Like you said earlier, they have to be in somewhat in control of their bonus portion of their pay plan. They have to be able to, it has to be there for them to be able to do. Um, and and like my, myself, when I my first met you and we started working together, I had a lot of, I didn't even have processes. You know, I had none of this stuff. I was way undercharging. Everything was flying out the door. Margin was crap and we were losing money. Um, and once I got everything in place, we went to a pay plan. And then once we got that dialed in, the place runs like a well-oiled machine and cars just come in and go out, you know, I just got to make cars. Now it's my job just to make cars show up at the door and it's everyone else's job to put them through the process. And if they do that in the manner in which I've laid it out for them, they make a lot of money. And if they make a lot of money, I make a lot of money.
3: And, 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 and one more, there's another party here. Are you, do your customers suffer
2: or are customers better off? Oh my God! The customers are much better off. It having systems and processes in place creates um, it, it creates um, consistency, and they can consistently come in here and have a good experience. Jane Smith has the same experience as Joe Smith because um, it's all dialed in. Everybody, when it comes in, they know what to do, and they just do their job. You know, it's written, it's spelled out for them, and if you do it this way, everyone will succeed and everyone will be happy. I, I think it's. The customer.
3: I think it's cool coming from the shop owner saying I need a platform for success. Yeah, um, that's exactly it. And I think I think when Chris says, you know, we were at twenty three percent gross margin before we got a consultant, I, I would bet that you worked with more than one consultant over your career before you decided to be one yourself. Um,
1: uh, honest, honestly, I only worked with one, and I had the same coach for eight years. Wow. Um, okay. Good but, for you. Yeah, it's an interesting story that I'm not gonna. uh, You and I, next time we're at a conference sometime, we'll talk about it. But in in, uh, at Vision
3: or something, or somewhere like that. Okay. Um,
1: I I do I do have one comment though is is to what Alan said, is that you can't. Put a pay plan out there that if you're basing it off somebody's hours or something, if you're not charging for diagnostic um, testing, if you're not, if you don't have all that stuff squared away, then you're putting yourself in a hole in the beginning and you don't ever want to do that.
3: Well, that's, in, in, in my opinion, you can make more money with a pencil than you can with hard work. Yes. Um, right. And and so, you know, we do things with our clients, like we add a 20% uh, labor Uh, kicker on the time. And I always give that to my techs wherever I work. So, you know, if the book says it's a four hour job, I'm not selling it for four, I'm selling it for 4.8. That's kind of my minimum. Uh, Because I also know there's wasted time. There's times something breaks, something has to be cleaned. You know, the job doesn't always go the way we plan. Right. And then, uh, so if you're not, if you're so let's cover this just a second because in order for me to pay my employees, I have to get fair money from my client. And 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 is it fair for the customer to pay that extra 20%, knowing that there's gonna be issues with their car and there's times and things that my tech does that we don't really charge for. You know, the test drive, the paperwork, the you know, stuff like that.
2: The bad um, bananas. What's that? Well, the bad bananas. All the brown bananas. That's
3: what we talk about, right? We got to, we got to charge for the brown bananas. And it's funny. We, as, as owners, we think that our hourly rate is what takes care of all of that. But frankly, in most cases, it probably doesn't. Um, I'm a huge proponent in our industry that in fact, I'm teaching a class at at division and frankly, there, there should not be a shop in the United States under about $230 an hour today. Um, and yet most of the shops, mini
2: shops are under a hundred. Oh, yeah. um, I would say, I, I just did this math and my calculation was I need to be at two eighty seven seventy five an hour. To be where you really want to be. Effective labor rate. Yeah. And, and by the way, I
3: you know, it's funny that you know the lawyer that comes out of law school is making $300, $350, $400 an hour. My lawyer makes more than that because he's a veteran. You know, he's the killer in town and the killer gets the big bucks. The the accountant right. that comes out is making $250 to $400 an hour, and, and the plumber is making $300 an hour. Uh, there's even a joke, I mean, there's jokes all about that. You know, the plumber, the electrician. Uh, you know, they come in and they, they, in movies, the, the guy's like, oh, that's going to cost $10,000, you know, and, and, uh, nobody box at that, but I think it's the shop owners themselves. I don't even think it's the customers, but I think it's the shop owners themselves that kind of hold that back.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not, it's, it's usually the shop owners. I had a guy that came to me and we, you know, we figured out what his costs were and what his labor rate had to be. And he needed to raised his labor rate $40 an hour. And he about had a stroke. And I was like, sir, you can go out of business at your current rate, or you can try it my way and we'll see how it goes. And he changed it in a day and nobody knew the difference.
3: Yeah. No um, customer complained. Well, yeah. there's probably one or two that walked away, but they were the right people to walk away. Right.
2: And right. You made so much more on the others. It didn't matter.
3: Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so I think, so for me, pay plan should be a base rate about 60% of what you make, uh, a bonus program about 40%. Uh, sometimes we do 50-50 with service advisors because the, the pay is getting up there. Um, but And then there should be uh, performance um, enhancements or bonuses based on what I want from that particular position. Um, Chris, what are you looking for from a service advisor?
1: So I I kind of have like two levels of service advisor and it depends on the the size of the shop and everything else. If if I have a service advisor or a pair of service advisors where the um where the shop owner still has to be involved day to day in a little bit and has to be around I'm looking to pay them with their tax and benefit load, about 7% of total sales. And if I have two, then I'm going to split that. If I have a guy, like say I walked back into a shop and, and the owner could hand me the keys and go to Hawaii for a month and not even worry about it. um, I would expect that person to get 10 to 12%. um, Because at that point you're talking about the owner walking away and being an absentee owner and stuff like that, or most absentee as much as they want to be.
3: So does that, does that include
1: the load or is that non-loaded? That that includes the load. Both okay. of those include the load. The seven percent loaded or the ten to twelve loaded.
3: And we use we use the eight to ten percent. And I would pay twelve percent if the guy if I didn't have to be involved, right? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. If I could be a kind of a, I mean, the last year and a half I ran I ran the last shop that I ran. I was only there two to three days a week. Most of the time I wasn't there. I was out consulting and coaching. And, and I had a guy in play who was making, at the time, probably 130, dollars 135000 a year. And, um, but essentially, he was kind of a, an assistant manager to me uh, so I could go do what I wanted to do on the days I wanted to do it. Uh, right. and, and then if we have a – I also – I think of two levels of service advisor, but I think I think a little differently than you. And I think, you know, I have the A, service advisor – And and whenever I have two guys, one of my guys is the A guy and one of my guys is the B guy. So I never have, I don't have two people on an equal plane. I have a service manager and a service uh, advisor or a service advisor and a service assistant or something like that as a, as a, um, as a structure for management, as a management structure. Right. Um, Yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about the pencil and charging uh, correctly so that we can pay correctly. Uh, I think from this crowd, and I'm not seeing anything online that they disagree with us necessarily. I think the idea is we have a base pay for our people so they feel comfortable. That should take care of their basic needs. And then we have a bonus structure so that as the business wins, they win. They get more if the business gets more. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I hate hourly rate. Uh, 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 um, and I, I also hate flat rate. I don't like either one. I think there's problems with both. And uh, But I think also the manager or the person running the business, the leader, it, the motiv- the person motivating for our people so they feel comfortable, has to have the right people, has to hire the right people, has to do the right things. Well, that Otherwise, it, nothing's going to be successful. And then we have – does that make sense? Yes. You guys? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about um, the pencil and and making money um, so that we can pay our employees uh, uh, by doing the right things with with the, the pencil or the pen.
0: Stop wasting your time trying to find a magic bullet. There isn't one. However, our keys to automotive business success teaches the foundations of a successful automotive shop and gets you started on the right path, which is pretty close. You'll learn how to set actionable and achievable goals, understand your financial model, and how to communicate more effectively with your team. This course was designed to jumpstart your results, not waste your time. Take the class today, and you'll learn how to start creating the business and life you want. Visit ifrave.com to register for the class at only $49 and available to take wherever and whenever you'd like. It's what every shop owner needs to kickstart their business into success.
3: I have a belief that, that there shouldn't be anybody in the, in the industry under $230 an hour. Believe it or not, I have no shops at 230 at this point. My highest shop is 216. Uh, I have a couple of guys in the 200 range. I have, a, I have many more in the 180 range. Uh, and then probably our average is around 135 to 140. Uh, is that what you're seeing out
1: there? Um, yeah, I think the, the highest shop I have now is in the Midwest and they're like 179 and some change. And then I have some others. I don't have any shop um, that's with me currently less than hundred. Some of them probably were less than hundred when they started. Um, and then, so I was teaching a class in Seattle and we were talking about labor rates and things like that. And there were several people in there that were paying their technicians $65 an hour. So, you know, and that's not, that's not even with the tax and benefit load. So when you're looking at what you should be charging for those guys, now I will say that most of those guys were high level diagnostic techs. And when you look at how we're charging for diagnostic time, we're probably in the 270, 280 an hour range. Um, So I would say that you might be in that range in some areas, but just not your whole shop.
3: So clarify for for the people that are going to listen to this. You said when we're doing diagnostic we're in the we might be in a 270 range. Um, explain to to the the audience what you mean by that or how that
1: works. Well, so I do I like to set up diagnostic tests and not time. I don't ever like I don't like service riders owners anybody mentioned in time ever in the shop. I don't ever want anybody to say anything related to time. So typically we have um, like a level one test, two test, three and four tests. Everybody's kind of a little bit different, but so what I like to do is I like to take the the regular rate and then add thirty percent to that. So if you're at a hundred dollars an hour door rate, then our diagnostic rate would be one thirty, and then on that, so like a like a level two test, we want to do one and a half hours at the at the diagnostic rate if that makes sense to everybody and that's what we charge for the test the only reason i have time to it is because we're going to pay the tech an hour and a half for doing that test
3: i always um, i always say that um for customers you never mention time you only mention this is what it costs correct yeah and then for technicians you always talk about time you never talk about right. this is an exactly. hour and a half this is what right. you got here um and so I, I, I agree with you 100%. So you and I are on the exact same page there. I, uh, I just wanted the, the audience uh, to understand that a lot of the shops we've gone to, probably in the past three or four years, we've gone to a level one, level two, level three diagnostic. And um, our diagnostic rates are higher than our normal rates. Obviously, if I'm going to pay somebody 60 bucks an hour, $65 an hour, I got to be 170 uh, right. in order to make that work. And that's, if that was loaded, if it's unloaded, I probably got to be 200 bucks to 10, uh, to make that right. work and still yeah. put margin in the bottom line.
2: Um, I see. Go
3: you know, ahead, Alan.
2: If you, um, if you do the math, really think about it. Like if you're paying, if you're doing a labor multiplier, a labor matrix, which we do, and we have lots of different labor matrix, depending on what we're working on. um, our baseline is 1.3 multiplier. So if it's a one-hour job, we're charging 1.3. Our labor rate is 156.97. Um, that means we're actually charging 204.07 an hour. Um, <clears throat> I mean, for the one-hour job that we're doing. Tell
3: me why our effective labor rate is not up there. Because I know your
2: numbers, dude. I see your numbers. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And we're... <laughs> I got... Two more days, and then I'm going to be dialing in for this month to figure out what the heck went wrong the month before. But exactly, it's something you watch though, and 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 it's something to think about. You know, maybe that's because I'm paying the technician that point three. You know, I'm not just keep. A lot of shops are keeping the point three in the matrix, and and I am not. I'm giving it to my technician. My technicians are really good at what they do. I value them. I'd hate to take that away, um, but I mean.
3: I don't think it's the right thing. I think that if I'm charging that extra time, that the technician should get the benefit of that as well as the owner. Cause I still get the benefit of that. Yeah. Otherwise, why would I do it? Um, yeah. I, I believe. And I also believe that there are brown bananas that hurt the technician. So if, totally. if some of their pay plan is a bonus structure based on productivity and education and other stuff, they still will be hurt if they don't get that benefit. Yeah. Right? And I don't want any of my people to be hurt. I want all my people to succeed together
2: The thing is to make sure you're clear to your technicians about that that they you are doing that and that you're giving it to them because otherwise they don't see that that value and then they wonder um, why they're not getting paid the same rate to go to training for the weekend you know I think they I do I, I all kinds I, of things like that to help them understand
3: Yeah I think right? that goes right back to the beginning and that you know we charge 150 bucks an hour and they get 50 and they think I keep a hundred and that there's nothing else going on it all goes right in my pocket
2: yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: I, I used to take my staff uh, probably once every three months and kind of go through the expenses of the business and uh, fixed expenses and help them understand that in many cases, they're making a higher percentage of that dollar than I am. Mm-hmm. I just get, I get a lower percentage from three or four guys. And so my percentage ends up adding up, but it's 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 still less of that dollar than than they actually get in most cases. Yeah. Uh, Well,
1: and I I like to go through and show them at the end of the year. Say, here's your year end packet. Here's your W two. Here's what we actually paid you. Here's what we paid on top of that. Plus, you had X amount of uniforms. We we bought you. I've got some shops that buy lunch for their technicians every day. Yeah. Um, And then stuff like that, you know, they need to realize all of that because they're, you know, somebody will come up and like, oh, I'm going to jump over here for two more dollars an hour. And then they leave and they're like, oh, that's the worst decision I've ever made. I want to come back. And you're they
3: they don't understand all the other pieces of that go into that pie. I mean, it's a whole recipe, right?
2: right? They don't know how much they actually cost the business. They know. I mean, they make us money, but there is an expense to having a top guy at the shop. And my expense over the course of the was of 2019 was 57.55 per build hour, and at that rate, I should have been charging 287.75 to to fit my budget. So I got to make up for it in other places. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah.
1: And and here, this is not what we're here about, but I want to make this yeah. point real quick. Um, is a shop like yours probably has little or no technician turnover, or you have technicians knocking on your door? And a shop where their average pay, where they're paying those guys like $20, $30 an hour, those are the guys that can't find technicians. Nobody wants to work there or anything else. I mean, you, mm-hmm. um, what I'm finding right now is with your tax and benefit load, we're probably 40 to 50% over what your actually hourly pay is in order yeah. to have a good shop where people want to work there. That's just, I think a, it's,
2: you know, it's I about think the it's, whole, it's about the complete, the complete compensation package.
3: And, 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 and I don't, I don't think it's only about money. I think it's also about being successful, working in a clean environment, having the tools you need, the education you need. You know, I think if you can... Um, the
2: platform for success.
3: Yeah, the platform, as, as you said, you know, having the platform for success. I mean, you go into Alan's shop, it's beautiful. Um, you know, it's not huge, but it's beautiful. And the the, the bays are clean and they're lit and the, they have the, the techs have whatever tools they need. And, you know, the owner is... Um, is trying to help them be successful because Alan understands when he wins, they win. And I think in a lot of shops, you just you just don't see that. You, it's almost an adversarial relationship between the owner and the, and the staff. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's just detrimental uh, to the success of a, anyone's success. In yeah. this industry, um, so I wanna make a comment about a pay systems. Um, you really need a professional, I think, if you're a good shop to help you put a pay system together. Because someone like Chris or, or myself, we we understand the numbers in a different way, right? It's funny to me. I'm writing this class and I'm thinking how easy it is to run an automotive shop on on and I and I understand I understand it's not because I've run lots of them, but when you understand the big, you know, all the bits and pieces. If I do this over here, then it's gonna it's gonna make this over here. And and when when our margin is this, then you know. And I think that understanding helps you build the platform is really understanding that. But if I don't understand all the pieces and then I'm going to change my pay system for me, that's a real caution. You know, I want the caution flag out. Um, I think I need a professional to help me build a pay system. That's going to be very beneficial for my business and beneficial for my staff. Um, I'm really not suggesting that you build your own pay system. Um, and, and but I, I am suggesting that you build the platform for success in your business and that your people get paid more money. I'm, I'm shocked when I look at some shops where we have technicians getting paid 15, 16, 18 bucks an hour. Um, I have a shop in the Midwest. I went in uh, and uh, the, the techs were the highest paid tech was like $18 an hour. And this was their their guy. And of course it's the Midwest, so things usually seem to be a little lower there than they are in the East Coast or the West Coast. But, but we changed uh, within about four months in this shop because new owner, we were able to change a lot of things. Um, we changed the pay system where the, the, the lowest pay tech is now making 30, I think 32 and the highest pay tech is making 46. And two of the guys, when, when we introduced the new pay system, they actually cried. They they literally cried because they their family had been starving, and and nobody was paying attention. They worked for this guy for eighteen years, and he didn't seem to care about them. And I don't know why they stayed, but now they're they're able to make a real living for their families, right? And and that's what I wanted to do as a coach and a consultant is help people to have that part because that's the right. most important part. Cecil,
1: um, so what did you did you make a change to their labor rate as well? Yeah, you we had to change? raise the
3: labor rate as part of the business. They also were underselling a lot of their can jobs, so you know their brake flush was I think it was forty nine dollars all in, um, and they were paying their technician or crediting their technician like two tenths on a brake flush, and uh, they would they wouldn't do a tranny flush, they wouldn't do a coolant flush um, in the shop at all. So we were able to make some real adjustments and believe it or not, the customers are much happier with the whole thing. So yeah, we we had to do that. All right. We're unfortunately, man, I look at the clock and we're like three minutes left. So the thing about these leading edges is they go so fast that it just blows me away. Um, Alan, uh, uh, talk to the shop owners out there,
2: the managers, tell them what you think uh, they need to hear about uh, pay. So, I I mean, I think that it's going to help your business in the long run. A performance-based pay plan is going to help your business in the long run. Um, If you need help, find a consultant. Uh, I know a good one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, to go over it with you, um, you can even reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk to people about it. But um, know your budget for labor. um, Know what it costs you for labor now. And like I said, I, I would suggest doing the math over 2019 if you're really thinking about changing. And know what it actually costs you per build hour. Um, that's what you paid out in labor uh, divided or what you made in labor dollars divided by the number of hours that you built, you paid out. Um, and then and then develop a plan that's going to fit your needs and make sure it's going to um, work, execute, put that pay plan into place with w- previous week's um, numbers and, and make sure it fits and see how your, your team can gain from it and how you can gain from it before you pitch it to them.
3: Okay. And uh, Chris, uh, um, you get the second to last word. I always get the last word.
1: <laughs> All right. I uh, honestly, I think what Alan said was right on the money. Um, the And like what you said earlier about getting help, devi- devising a pay plan, make sure it's a win-win for everybody. It's a win for the shop. It's a win for the technicians. Um one thing we didn't talk about that I've seen and I know Cecil's seen it all over and, and I'm really honestly just kind of sick and tired of it is shop owners not even paying themselves. Everybody else gets paid and the shop owner doesn't get paid. So if you've got checks in this, in the top drawer of your desk or you're not even bothering writing your checks, I don't care who it's with, get with Cecil, get with me, get with somebody and make 2020 the best year ever and change it for crying out loud. It's 2020. I started writing, um, service in like 1992, uh, uh, it's it's time to make a change, whatever that is. Make it.
3: Yes. Our our average group maker, a group um, uh, client uh, who who's in our twenties groups uh, makes an eighteen point two percent net profit. Our average client makes about twenty two percent. We we you know obviously it's a it's a long road to get from A to B, but it's a road that everyone can get. Um, they can get there. So um, I want to thank uh, Alan sims thank you and uh i want to thank uh uh chris cotton uh for being here i really appreciate it i know that this is really good for the industry uh and uh, look for us on our next leading edge that'll be uh two weeks from uh today uh at the same bat time uh thanks guys and uh uh if anybody wants chris if someone wants to get a hold of you how do they get a hold of you
1: um, you can go to my website, autofixsos.com. You can also email me, Chris, at autofixsos.com. Um, you can do a pretty quick g- Google search and find me as well. Also, uh, I teach classes for WorldPAC around the country. So um, just start looking and you'll be able to find me.
3: Perfect. Thanks, Chris, for everything. Alan, thanks. Um, and thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you in a couple weeks.
0: That's it for this one. This episode was brought to you by gearedforshops.com and The Institute. To find more episodes or for more information about the services we provide, visit iforave.com.
2: Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one.